Welcome to the first episode of Bayou Business Download in 2021. This is a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing the region's economy. Today is Friday, January 22nd. I'm your host, AJ Mistretta, and I'm joined today by Patrick Jankowski, Senior Vice President of Research at the Partnership. In this episode, we're gonna take a look at the latest findings in the Census Bureau's American Community Survey, which looks at the social, demographic, and economic characteristics of the nation. We'll examine what the latest figures tell us about Houston and how this region compares with others around the country. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. AJ, thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk to you. Patrick, before we get started talking about the findings of the ACS, a lot has changed in our world over the last year. When exactly was the data that's been released collected, and what does that tell us about the findings and how they might change? AJ, let's back up a little bit. Let me tell you a little bit about what the American Community Survey is. It's actually something which is mandated by Congress. Congress needs to know what the economic, demographic, and social characteristics of the nation are. They use that information uh, both at the federal level and at the state level to figure out how they're going to allocate funds. Uh, There's uh, about $675 billion worth of federal and state funds, which are allocated based on the American Community Survey. It's a survey survey of households. They want to know something about how many people live in the household, the, the race and ethnicity of people who live in that household educational attainment, income levels, poverty, coverage of by insurance. They'll even want to know uh, what are the, the number of people in the household, whether it has plumbing and whether it has an internet connection. And, and yes, why do they need to know this? Well, they're trying to, to solve, solve problems. They're trying to eliminate poverty. They're trying to, to provide for the better good. Right. I, I do need to let you know, it may sound like an intrusion, but all this information is kept private. Nothing is ever identified by a specific individual, a specific address. It's just allocated to a geography. It's allocated to a census tract. It's allocated to a city, to a county, to a state, but it's never allocated to any one individual. So it's all private, but it has you gives you some idea of the characteristics of the population which live within that geography. No, that makes sense. And it explains why it's so useful. So, so when was that this specific data actually collected? It's done on an annual basis. It's done over 12 months. It takes a little while for the Census Bureau to crunch the data. So there's always a little bit of a lag. So what we have released now is data that was gathered in 2019. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a little dated, but what's great about that is it gives us some idea of what the nation looked like or what Houston looked like at the tail end of the longest expansion in U.S. history. And so when we get the data for 2020, which was one of the worst recessions in U.S. history, we're going to be able to compare 19 to 20 and figure out just how, how severe the impact was. But for right now, we just get some idea of you know, what Houston looked like in, 19, in 2019, and we can compare that to what it looked like 10 years ago. We can compare it to what it looks like with other metropolitan areas. So we can look at just what Houston as a snapshot in 2019 looked like. No, that seems very useful. And again, like you said, you know, while it's not updated through what we've experienced in the last few months, what, what, what most of 2020 looked like, we'll be able to then compare uh, those, those figures that we get for 2020 uh, to what we saw at the end of our expansion. Let's get into it. Population is a big focus of the survey. How much did the population of Houston actually grow over the last decade, and where is that growth really coming from, if you will? Well, we added 1.1 million people. Absolutely phenomenal growth. 
And one of the nice things about the survey is it gives us a breakdown of the, the race and ethnicity of the population we added. Uh, the biggest growth actually came with the Hispanic community. We added close to 600,000 Hispanic residents, followed by blacks, uh, about 190,000 new blacks in the region, uh, Asians, 166,000, and the Anglo population of 120,000. And, and so we can take that data that tells us where the growth was, but actually look at what's the, the racial and ethnic breakdown for the metropolitan area. When I say the metropolitan area, I'm talking about the nine county Houston metro area. I mean, roughly 38% of the population in Houston now is Hispanic, about 35% is Anglo, about 17% is Black, about 8% is Asian. Mm. And we've been able to track that over time. What's interesting is because of the ACS, we, we now know that Houston's kind of unique in the fact that there's no one racial or ethnic group which makes up a majority of Houston's population. That is why we can claim to being one of the most diverse and balanced populations in the U.S. I, I mean, there's not been a majority of the population, no single race or ethnic group has represented a majority of the population probably for 10 years now. Got it. You know, a, a part of this really looks at uh, growth, both domestically and foreign born, uh, new, you know, residents to our region who were born here in the U.S. Uh, and those born in other countries. Unpack that foreign born figure a bit, if you will, and, and also talk about how Houston stacks up against other cities in terms of its foreign-born population. Let me take the, the last part of your question first. Okay. Uh, Houston, we rank fifth in foreign-born population. You know, we're ranked just behind New York, LA, Miami, and Chicago. That, that equates to about 1.6, 1.7 million Houston residents were born outside the United States. That's uh, 24% of our population. Mm. And so that's a benefit to us in a number of ways. For one thing, it, it adds to our diversity. It, it's uh, something which allows us to recruit more businesses from overseas because businesses from overseas want to go someplace that's welcoming to, to people from, from overseas. But it's also been key to our growth in recent years. Now, there are three components to growth. There's what's called a natural rate of increase. And yeah. that's, you, you look at the number of babies that are being born every year and the number of people who are passing away every year. You know, you add the two together, you subtract deaths from births and you get a, a natural rate. You have something which is called domestic migration. People who are already in the U.S. or, or people who were, who were born in the U.S. And well, no, actually it's people who are already in the U.S. who've moved here from, from somewhere else. And international migration, people who are born overseas and who've moved to Houston. If you look at our population growth, Domestic migration has been trending down over the last few years. And actually for the region, it was negative two of the last three years. And part is because the economy has been weak. When people lose their job, they, they leave Houston. Or if Houston's not creating enough jobs or creating fewer jobs and it'll be created in other metros, we don't draw people from elsewhere in the U.S. But, but international population has been fairly strong throughout the decade. And actually, international migration has exceeded that of domestic migration the last three to four years. If you look at the, the, the most important part of growth has been the natural rate, then the international migration, and then domestic migration. Got it. And so for a while, it seems international migration has really outpaced domestic uh, and you know, has been a big part of our growth overall. Yeah, if you just want to look at the last year for which we had data, 2019, we international migration, we roughly on net 31,000 people move here from overseas. Uh, domestic, we had only about 7,000. Yeah. And when I say they move here from overseas, you need to understand that's all types. That's people who are work permits, people who are on student visas, people who are here as refugees, 
people who are here as as regular recognized immigrants and, and the undocumented. It's, sure. it's everything. It's expat workers who have been brought here to work for somebody in the U.S. Got it. Uh, Patrick, I want to switch gears a bit and talk about the age of the population. For, for a long time, we've talked about how young our Houston population is relative to other big cities around the country. Does that still actually hold true in this latest data? Yeah, the, the best way to look at that is just look at the median age. When I say median, that means half the population is above that age and exactly half is below that age. The median population in Houston is, is 34.9 years. Uh, that compares to the U.S. overall is 38.5. Houston actually has the second lowest median age of the 50 largest metropolitan areas. The only metropolitan area that has a lower median age than us is Salt Lake City. Part of that is, is because of, of the aging of the population. We're seeing our median age move up, but also it's the number of births that you have and the number of young people moving to the region. And that's what's helped keep our median age below that of the U.S. Thanks, Patrick. We'll get right back to the conversation. But first, I'd like to acknowledge our sponsor. Bayou Business Download is made possible by PNC Bank, which is proud to support the Greater Houston Partnership. PNC believes that giving back to their customers, their employees, and our community is the right thing to do. Visit pnc.com slash about us to learn more. The PNC Financial Services Group, Inc., all rights reserved. Patrick, let's talk about languages spoken. With a very diverse population comes a variety, uh, obviously, of languages, right? So what does that look like in Houston? Well, the way the Census Bureau asks the question, they, they ask whether English only is spoken at home or whether a language other than English is spoken at home. And they also ask whether people speak English less than very well. Uh, what's interesting is if you break it down by, by race and ethnic group, if you look at the Anglo population, 93% of the Anglo population speaks Anglo English at home, 91% of the black population but only 21% of the Asian population, only about 22% of the Hispanic population speak English only at home. Now you kind of flip that. They asked the question uh, about the population that speaks English less than very well. And if you could see me, you could see I'm doing air quotes over very well. Uh, about 1.1 million residents in Houston speak English less than well. Hmm. But it kind of explains why when, when you, you, you'll see Menu restaurants in more than one language. When you go into the polls, you could ask for your, your ballot to be in more than one language. It also though, testifies to our, our, our diversity. It's one of the reasons why we have such great restaurants in town is this, this, this diversity that we have. Yeah, that makes sense. Switching to education, what does educational attainment, or in other words, the, the highest level of, of education that someone has, has actually reached, what does that look like in our region compared with, let's say, 10 years ago? Well, well that's something which is nice to see is that the overall educational attainment for the region is, is higher than it was 10 years ago. If you simply look at the one that a lot of people like to cite is just the, the percent of the adult population and adult is being defined as someone who's, who's 25 or over. Uh, a, a third of all adults in the region now have a bachelor's degree or higher. It was only about 28% if you go back 10 years ago. Mm. If you also look at that, the percent of the population which never even graduated from high school continues to shrink. Yeah. That's a result of two things. For one thing, we are keeping people in school longer. I think both the parents and the students recognize the importance of education for earnings and for lifetime employment. But it also shows a little bit of the aging out of the population. If you go back the older generation, there was a time in this economy when you could get a good job with just a high school. You didn't even have to have high school. Yeah. Because you, you worked in a production line, you worked in a shop. 
But now so many of the jobs now require some sort of skills, especially skill level beyond high school. And so that's why we're seeing a, a larger percentage of the population having high school. It's 5% more of the population have a high school diploma now than 10 years ago. And you can look at that, you're looking at about 5% more have a bachelor's degree than 10 years ago. And, and to back up, you know, one of the things we do at the partnership is we recruit corporations to the region. We try to, to grow the economy. That is a question which gets asked almost every time is tell us something about the educational attainment of your population and about their ability to continue to get educated while they're here in town. Absolutely. You know, we often tout, um, you know, our university system, our community college system, our ability to connect people with jobs, whether that's through a four-year college degree, a certification program, uh, a, a two-year a two-year degree. So all of that together. Yeah, I do need to let you know, as I talked about the ACS, one of the great things it does is it allows us to look at the data, not just by a metropolitan area, but by the racial and ethnic groups within the, the metropolitan area. There are some disparities in there. If you look at the Anglo population, less than 5% of the Anglo population has less than a high school diploma. 34% mm -hmm. of the Hispanic community has uh, Hispanic adults have less than a high school diploma. So these, there are some areas that identifies and, it, and it's good for, for policymakers. It's good for, for community leaders to realize that this is an area that we need to work on. And, and, it, and it is an area that we are working on at the partnership. Absolutely. And I think that that, that idea that we, we make sure, we strive to make sure that everyone has you know, the opportunities that exist in, in our community, that's, that's an important part of how we are framing the conversation right now to ensure that certain populations, the Hispanic population, the Black population are not left behind when it comes to education, when it comes to opportunity to earn. So that's a big part of, as you said, of what we've been doing. And so much of our opportunity is tied to education. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about income. Uh, obviously, as we've talked about, this this survey was conducted before the pandemic set in. But what do the findings tell us about income among our residents and how that compares with other metros? Okay, uh, let, let me back up just a little bit. And let's talk about what we've seen happen in the metro Houston area. Uh, that is, we have seen growth in household income over the last 10 years. Uh, adjusted for inflation in, in, in 2010, Median household income, once again, half households earned below, half households earned above, was around 62, 63,000. The last year for which we had data, it was 69,000, and that's adjusted for inflation. So we have seen some growth. We don't rank quite as well as we'd like to rank. Uh, if you look at our rank among the 50 most populous metropolitan areas, we rank right around the middle. We, we rank uh, 27th of, of the top 50. So that's, that's not too bad. You know, we, we'd like to be higher up. But one of the things, you've got metro areas like San Jose and San Francisco and Washington, D.C. and Chicago, for which the cost of living is just so astronomical. It's so much higher than the cost of living in Houston. So it's, it's almost an unfair comparison. Now, if you look at our cost of living, which is a, we could do a whole different podcast. And actually, I know you have done podcasts yeah. on the cost of living. <laughs> we have, but, yeah. Uh, if you look at Houston's cost of living, it is substantially below that of the major metropolitan areas. So that $69,000 goes a lot farther here in Houston than, than $100,000 would go in San Francisco or San Jose. Okay. You know, poverty is an unfortunate reality for so many in our region. Break down the findings on, on that front. Okay. What's interesting to know is that the poverty rate in Houston has actually declined over the last 10 years. If you look at it back in 2010, poverty rate was 16.5% uh, of all families in Houston were in poverty. 
You also have to kind of put that in perspective, though. In 2010, we were coming off the Great Recession. So there's still a lot of people who weren't working or were working it below their, their maximum potential. The poverty rate in Houston right now or in, in 2019 was 12.9% of all families. So you can see significant improvement. But remember, that poverty rate went down because we were at the tail end of one of the longest expansions in U.S. history. When we get data for 2020, it'll probably, I'm, I'm sure it will go back up. And poverty rate looks a little bit different versus racial and ethnic groups. If you look at the poverty rate for uh, Anglos, it's less than 6%. If you look at the poverty rate for Hispanics, it's over 18. Poverty rate for Asians is about 8.4%. For Blacks, it's about 17.6%. So there are some disparities out there. That's one thing which is good to, for this data is it allows community leaders to look and see where the disparities are and they put programs into place or take actions to try to fix those disparities. Great. You know, uh, the ACS also looks at labor force participation or the, I guess, the number of folks who are actually active, residents who are active in the labor force. What do those findings tell us about who's participating? You know, this, this is a good one to talk about, a good, good one to end up on. There's this discussion nationwide that the labor force participation rate has been going down for some time. And, and Houston's not immune. The labor force participation rate in Houston has slipped slightly over the years. But you need to know the labor force participation rate in Houston is still higher than the U.S. rate. The mm. U.S. rate uh, in December was 61.5. That's December we just finished up. But, but in Houston, the labor force participation rate has been around overall 66.5%. A little bit of an apples and oranges because we're looking at where we were in the most recent data for the U.S. versus where we are from when we had the ACS data. But what's interesting is that the labor force participation rate, significant differences across racial and ethnic group. The group out there which has the highest labor force participation rate in Houston is the Asian population, and that's 68.1%. Follow them in the Hispanic population. Their labor force participation rate is 67.9%. Got decimal points on the air sometimes seem odd, don't they? The black <laughs> labor force participation rate is 67.4%. The Anglo population has the lowest labor force participation rate out there at 64%. So you see definitely the different ethnic and racial groups engaged out there in the, in the workforce and engaged out there working. And overall, Houston is better than the U.S. as a whole, but we still need to do something to get the labor force participation rate up. Got it. Patrick, uh, thank you for joining me for this conversation today. I really appreciate it. AJ, it's always good to talk to you, share some insights as to what we see going on in Houston's economy. You and I have talked about an awful lot of stuff. Uh, there's only so much you can put in a podcast. do need to let you guys know out there who are listening that a lot of these same issues were covered in the January issue of Houston, the economy at a glance. And you can go to the partnerships website, Houston.org, look for the newsletter and get even more details. Absolutely. And, and that's going to do it for this first episode of 2021 of the Bayou Business Download. Thank you again to PNC Bank for helping make this podcast possible. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so by visiting the podcast page at Houston.org. And as Patrick mentioned, a lot of news and updates available on our site, Houston.org. You can go there to get a, a much more in-depth analysis of the numbers that we've been talking about today from the American Community Survey. Please continue to follow the directives from local officials and health experts. And thanks again for listening to Bayou Business Download.